welcome to Joey Hates Movies. Today, we're talking about Christopher Nolan's Memento. Mementos. This was everyone's a, favorite candy-based movie. Usually, Mementos. we usually we kind of go like whenever we do an episode, Coral picks one, I pick one, but sometimes the community picks a movie. And this Maybe we'll do that less often. <laughs> yeah. I feel like did we give them too much power? No, first, their first pick was Matrix, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a fine. That's a fine choice. It makes sense. It's fine in, in like our interests and the lore and everything. But, but I'm I'm glad our audience chose. This. What if I'm very glad. What if hear me out? I'm I'm connecting the dots. They can only pick movies that start with M. It's like some kind of weird tick that they have. With Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> yes. So what's the third option? Is there another movie with Carrie Ann Moss that starts with M? I forgot she was even in this movie. <laughs> I didn't even know anyone was in this movie. I, did, I didn't know anyone in the movie except for uh, the old dude in the flashbacks. Which one? The, the uh, fuck. Sammy? Yes. Oh. Oh, so you only recognized Steven Tobolowski? Yeah. Yep, he was the only character I recognized. Not Guy Pierce. Who's Guy Pierce? He's like he's the main guy, Leonard. He doesn't, oh. he doesn't really do TV shows, right? Guy Pierce? I don't know if Guy Pierce does TV shows. I, I He was pretty hot for a second. Like He just looked like a cheap Brad Pitt. Yeah, and they wanted Brad Pitt for this role. I was thinking that the whole time I was watching the movie, Coral. Yeah. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Probably. <laughs> Christopher Nolan No, he's never worked with Brad Pitt. Maybe one day. Maybe for his next hit thriller. I I forget Oof, what it's God. called. It's like it's, a spy thing. It's being filmed right now in Estonia. It is. It's, it's in production currently. But Memento is Christopher Nolan's second movie? I think so. It's, Side it, note. It's Christopher his, Nolan's his brother? Yeah, Jonathan Nolan. Yeah, they work together. Also, fun fact, Jonathan Nolan also wrote, I believe, Call of Duty Black Ops, the original. I'm pretty sure. The best Call of Duty game? I'm like 99% sure. But yeah, they love working together. So, directed by Christopher Nolan, but also co-written. Or co-written by Jonathan. No, it's actually just exclusively written by Jonathan Nolan based on a short story that Jonathan Nolan wrote, which makes sense. It's really got to grind John's gears that Chris gets all the fame, right? I don't know. Christopher Nolan can't write. I didn't know he existed until the opening credits. I'm like, there's they're brothers? <laughs> <laughs> but Joey, when when our audience selected Memento, a mystery that might be greater than the mystery in the movie itself, well, what did you think Memento was about? Uh, so I thought Memento was um, a movie about pictures and Polaroids. You're not I wrong. Because I saw the yeah. cover art before. <laughs> um, I've actually had Memento as something that I would have liked to have seen in the back of my head for a couple of years. I never committed to watching it because I'm bad. But if I had to like list out movies that I would be semi-interested in watching, Memento would like make that short list. Not because I knew a lot about it, but just because I'm like, oh, uh, people say they like this, and people say they like this director, and also I kind of like non-linear stories. So, like, those are three boxes that I guess are, are checked and things I'm interested in. But aside from that, you know, I, I thought Memento was just a picture movie. My primary question, why are you hanging out with so many 16-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Because teenagers love this movie. Really? Teens yeah. in high school, like... I think people who first discover film the way I did when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch all these movies. And it was during the height of The Dark Knight. So I was like, this guy, Christopher Nolan's cool, man. I'm going to check out all of his movies. And then I was like, everyone says I should watch Memento. Memento's so tight. It's so cool. Nonlinear storytelling. So Nick was one of those people, Coral? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I almost was. You almost were. Interesting. What was? What's your story with Memento, Cole? Uh, this is definitely, there's a genre of movies that I can't really describe without just saying it's movies my dad thinks are <laughs> awesome, and this is on that list. <laughs> and it's, a, it's an interesting category of films, some of which I agree with, some of which I strongly disagree with, yeah. and yeah. a lot of movies that, like, we watched together when I was, like, a teenager that I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to imagine the things on that list cool. are, like, The Lion King and Her. <laughs> No, it's pretty much all sci-fi. Okay. <laughs> um, but I I watched this when I was probably like 14 and thought it was like cool. What a cool way to make a movie. Yeah. Uh, because being different is inherently cool. And this movie, if nothing else, is indeed different. And it feels like low budget and kind of gritty and it's like serious and there's twists and it it feels... Yeah, it, it edgy, feels like almost. It, it feels like a movie that like a really talented like college freshman in film could have got really lucky and all the pieces lined up, mm-hmm. and this movie came out as a result. And and like without trying to be like, oh well, yeah, I'm pretentious. I watch movies, blah blah blah. I do think that this movie is. I think it evokes something from people who might not have been exposed to that many movies, uh, which is why I think it's, it, it resonates with teenagers so much because, you know, at that age, you haven't seen a lot of movies compared to like five to ten years later. So it's only natural that this movie serves as like a stepping stone to greater movies. And like you can debate all you want about Christopher Nolan. Like I do think he's a talented filmmaker to some respect and he does push the boundaries in the way that uh, an Alfred Hitchcock might've, but this is definitely, I think one of his weaker movies out of, out of all of them. This movie feels like an exercise in plotting more than it feels like a complete movie to me. This feels like someone flexing their ability to, script something in an original way rather than like a story that they had an innate interest in like I feel like the format of this movie came before the actual story and the actual characters which makes sense like cool on paper yeah for sure because you don't care about literally anyone in this movie yeah and the only thing that I think serves as interest in the movie is just like trying to put the pieces together because it's like well you're arbitrarily cutting all over the place and then just playing the same scene back after I have a little bit more context. So it's like a really short game of cat and mouse, but then the person you're playing was like, okay, hold on. Here I am. Okay, I'm going to go hide again real quick. Oh, oh, wait, here I am. Okay, I'm going to go hide again. Uh, but jo- Joey, you love, you love Quentin Tarantino. Genuinely. I feel attacked by that statement. Why? You shouldn't. Uh, it it feels dirty, but go on. No, I I think Quentin Tarantino is a talented filmmaker, but I think that this uh, and you love Pulp Fiction, do you not? I mean, it's not my favorite favorite Tarantino film. I don't even know if I put it in the top three, but I mean, I definitely did enjoy when I watched it, which has only been once. Do you think that this movie was inspired by Quint, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction because of couldn't, the nonlinear? Couldn't editing? you argue that any movie after Pulp Fiction that's nonlinear is inspired by it in the same way that you can say most movies that are nonlinear are inspired by Citizen Kane? Not really. No. No. Well, then let me walk that statement back. No, Nick, I don't think that. No, I mean, it's okay if you do. I just want to understand why does oh, All right off the bat. Does the non-linear editing work in this movie? Does it? Joey. 
I mean, as as uh, as like an exercise and a thought experiment. No, like as as yes. just as a a, a struct a device for telling this particular story. Did this serve the story, or was this just a self indulgent exercise in editing? No, no, I I, th- I think that the editing does serve the story because the editing kind of puts you in the framework of the this kid, the character, right? Mm-hmm. Of Lenny, played by Guy Pierce. Not Brad Pitt. Not the not Brad Pitt. The not yeah. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Um, so I, I feel like you know uh, it. You know sometimes we talk about in video games plot as mechanics. Yeah. I feel like you could similarly take that conversation here as editing as mechanics, like the mechanic of the movie to make you feel like you are like experiencing the same thing that the protagonist is is a result of the 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 jarringness of the nonlinear edit. And I, I feel like something like that. And I think like that's that works wonders in a video game. But I think in movies in particular, one of the uh, greatest strengths of film and just stories in general are the ability to sympathize with your protagonist, with your your quote unquote hero. And I just I just don't <laughs> in this movie at all. Uh, but but Coral, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Coral, what are you, what about the nonlinear editing? How do you feel about it? I think it. I mean, it works. I certainly to the film's advantage. If you recut this movie to be chronological, which I'm sure someone has done, it would be so incredibly uninteresting. And it's the way it's done non-linearly, it's still super watchable and super easy to follow that you never get like tripped up. Even having like this the secondary plot line that is moving forward intercut with all these that are moving backwards. Like it's you're not going to get lost at any point. So I think that's a testament to the fact that it functioned very well. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in from a production standpoint. Um, since, you know, we all work as producers in our day job, of what the communication process was between, uh, you know, uh, the brothers and the and the editor of being like, okay, so we got to put this block here and this block here, and then we got to go backwards here, and then we got to, I just cut that and move that over there. Well, they just all tattooed themselves with all their screen notes. How could you ever forget <laughs> if you tattoo yourself? Okay. I, I Coral, I actually, I, w- I was looking a couple things up, and if you get the director's edition DVD and like put in a secret menu code. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm being very serious. You can watch the movie in proper chronological order because they did recut it for the special edition DVD. Of course. But that's such a boring, like really truly think about this movie just told as it happens. That's so boring. <laughs> well, to be fair, I uh, to, 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 to admit something, I think I was bored watching it the way that it is supposed to be presented too, <laughs> because uh, I nodded off during a part and had to go back and rewatch oh, some no. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also almost two hours, and I wonder if you didn't repeat any frames of this movie, how much shorter it would get. I have to imagine it would get at least 20 minutes shorter. And I think that would have made this movie so much better. It feels like a movie that should be quick. It doesn't feel like... It should be like a cool 83 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we... Yeah. Overlooked talking about what Memento is about. Ah, yes. Coral summarized it perfectly in one sentence. Well, Coral read (laughs) IMDb one line for the movie, which... Which is, a man with short-term memory loss attempts to track down his wife's murderer. That's that's. Do we need to know any more than that at all? Uh, Sure. (laughs) It starts with um, the man, Leonard, Lenny, uh, shooting someone because he has a Polaroid. He's apparently taken and written himself that says don't trust him kill him he's the guy he killed your wife uh and then the rest of the movie is told kind of in reverse order so at the end of a scene 
you're shown the scene immediately preceding that that leads up to that moment and then you go back a scene further and see what led to that moment and that's kind of how this whole story is told uh and intercut with that you have a more chronological story of him talking to someone on a phone about a guy he a different person he knew with short-term memory loss um and and yeah, you just find out about the different people in his life who are using his memory memory loss against him. There's twists and turns, and then ultimately you find out that that person he killed at the very beginning uh, isn't the killer, and he he caught the the person he was hunting a year ago, but then he forgot that he did that, so he didn't have that satisfaction. So he's just been kind of like set up to repeat this this hunt towards different people he willingly chooses the fate of like i am just willful ignorance i will forever be on this elusive hunt to track down the person who murdered my wife and like willful willful ignorance nick he has memory loss no but he he also like could have like the dude tattoos his body he could have been like nah dude you got him a year ago time to move on yeah but like he makes the active choice to be like no it's better that i this is literally the only thing I'm living for, so I will forever be living for this because that's really all I got going for me. He makes a choice to get a license plate tattooed on him that he knows is not connected to the crime at all. And, and that's why this movie bothers me because I, I might be seen as shallow, but I do think there are good like screenwriting basic-ass things in this movie that should work but don't because of 90% of this movie like i love the dramatic irony of like the how he's like oh i'm explaining what happened to this dude that i was like evaluating so there's the framing devices uh there's these black and white vignettes as he said as uh coral explained where he's speaking to someone on the phone about an insurance case that he was investigating and it was uh the, the only dude joey knows it was uh sammy Played by Stephen Toblowski or something. What, what? Yeah, Toblowski. Toblowski, the most recognizable face in the movie. He, he is pretty recognizable. I don't remember what he's from, but I do know him from something. But basically, he has short-term memory loss, and Guy Pierce's character Lenny is sent to investigate whether or not the dude's faking it over a series of different tests, and ultimately he determines like, eh, he's kind of faking it. That, that's what Lenny is trying to decide. And so that kind of drives the idea like, hey, wait a second. This seems oddly similar to the thing that you're experiencing. How can two people have short-term memory loss, especially if you were investigating one? Doesn't that make you think that maybe this might actually be him? Like it's so heavy-handed and obvious, but it is nice because I do think that's the only heart in this movie is the story between Sam and his wife. And his wife just wants nothing more than to, for, his, for her husband to be faking it. That way he can snap out of it and just return to normal living. So much so that she like does like this weird suicide thing where she has him deliver like an insulin shot like once every five minutes where it should be like once every few hours or something. And she's like, okay, he's going to snap out of it. It's just, okay, that's shot number two. All right, the needle's going in the third time. I, Okay, I'm dead now. Like, sure, she probably could have stopped it at some point. But I I just, I think that that's the only heart in this movie. That's the only thing I was like, oh, that was kind of sad. And then the character makes the choice at the end of the movie to actively forego, like, 
any resolution. I was like, okay, he made a choice. I dig characters who make choices, but uh, ultimately I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to care about any of the characters at at large, you know? <laughs> and uh, um, I, I had said that, I was telling Coral this, that when I was in high school, like, I was the Memento guy. Like, I was like, dude, Memento's so cool. This is my first time, blah, blah, blah. But now, I'd only seen it once, and now looking back, I'm glad I watched it again because it's definitely one of those, like, I watched Fight Club once as a, as a 14-year-old angsty teen and then once again as, like, a working adult. And I'm like, oh, wow, I took the completely wrong message away from this. But instead of, like, just reinterpreting the message, I was like, oh, it was just a not very good movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my ultimate realization. I don't like any of it, and you know, it, it kind of bums me out that that I was displeased with a lot of the movie because, in theory, there's so many key elements that you know I would like, whether it be like a nonlinear story or an unreliable narrator, which is also a thing I'm fa- a fan of, or just the movie being shot and set in Los Angeles, which I fucking love. And even, like, the noir overtones. Like, those are all boxes that should check for me and be like, this is a movie that, in theory, I should like, right? Um, but it, it, uh, I I felt myself, like, just becoming impatient. Yeah. Watching the movie. Totally. I felt myself, like, wanting to, to skip around. Like, if this was a YouTube video, <laughs> I feel like I'd be scrubbing the timeline. I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. What happens next? Yeah. Which is just, like... What's more of a bad sign for a movie than one that you kind of want to scrub through, I guess? Do you think that's the movie's fault or a, a quote-unquote YouTube generation fault? Well, like, I'm, I've am i been so conditioned to be ADHD and impatient that I can't sit down and, like, enjoy something long form. Yeah. No, I think it's the movie's fault. Yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, we've watched six or seven other two-hour movies, and I didn't have the the feeling to, like, skim through them. That's very true. So... I, I have a question. Why is it that when he's talking on the phone that it's shot in black and white? Why? I feel like that was just to like, this is going to confuse people. They won't understand that this is a separate timeline that's moving forward. We need to make it immediately differentiable. But it's constantly in different timelines. So like, what's one more? <laughs> is it in different timelines though? Because I mean, like, it is all the same timeline. So I don't know if you can say it's in different time. Timelines. Different, yeah, just different chunks. Yeah, it, it's in different yeah, periods, different chunks. Different That's chunks. That's I mean, all, all all the black and white stuff moves linearly forward, like yeah. in time properly, and all the color stuff moves moves in reverse order. Yeah. So I think it's just a good way to show, like you know, what happened before the midpoint and what happened after the midpoint. It's I, th- I think that you know, watching it the first time, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is smart, even if it's just a tool for the audience to kind of you know feel more comfortable in identifying where they are. But what's two o four? What's that? What did you say? Two o four? No. Oh. Did I, Coral? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I heard you. Well, it's really hot in here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh God, I'm hallucinating. Got me taken aback. I'm like, what the fuck are you <laughs> talking about, dude? Two o four. That's my. That's my favorite uh, Dupless Brothers uh, movie, a <laughs> uh, uh, TV show on HBO. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, it's room one o four. Oh, got it. Two o four is my favorite uh, calculus class. <laughs> 204 with Mr. Becker. Going back to the editing a little bit in this movie, I don't think it works for this movie. 204 is my favorite date on the calendar. I really like February 4th. 204. I, I think the biggest problem I have with a movie like this is like 
in any noir story and a detective story, a movie will play fair with you with how it how the mystery unfolds. And I get it, you know, I'm designed to feel thrown off balance off balance by the editing, and that's totally fine. But I think therein, I think the mystery should lie within the cross-cutting back and forth and things like that. But I think that the editing only serves to show you, hey, this is how this movie works, not so much the secrets of the mystery are hidden within this cross-cutting. I don't think that it plays fair with this willful ignorance that, that Guy Pierce chooses. I think, like, the, the first time, like, when the movie opens, we have him killing uh, the, the cop. And you, he, he turns over the photo that says, he, uh, he is a liar, do not believe his lies. And that's his cue to like, oh, great, this guy's trying to trick me. I'm going to kill him. He kills him. Flash forward to, hey, I'm back now in a new scene. Guy's alive. And that's just to establish, hey, this movie's going to jump all over the place. That's the reason why this cut existed. And that's how I found most of these cuts serving. It was like character introduction that was really unclear and then – character background that gets delivered like maybe three minutes later but it never really felt like it was integral to the story it almost felt like a cop-out that that oh you know aren't i so clever that i was the one who willfully chose to ignore that i found my wife so long ago like it just it didn't the character says that lenny says that didn't ring true to me this did not ring true to (laughs) me at all during the movie but I'm I'm a little bit nitpicky when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like you might even be being too nitpicky. Like it's if yeah. You, if they, you're gonna they, have a gimmick though, make it good. Stick with it. I mean, is there a reason why they didn't make more movies like this? Because people didn't like the gimmick. I don't think that's the case. I think people love the gimmick. Yeah, I just I feel like if you're gonna try and tell a similar story, it's gonna end up being a very similar story. <laughs> like I think, unlike Pulp Fiction, there's no central through line outside of the mystery. Like. Pulp Fiction has these vignettes that have these self-contained stories that work by themselves, and it also is full of character. There's a lesson learned in every single vignette in Pulp Fiction, but I just don't feel that way in this. This one is also, it it traps itself where it, it has to represent Lenny's um, memory loss so literally, where we're not getting like, we're not getting a momentous flashback very often. It's almost always exactly five minutes before the last scene we watch and it kind of i think gets itself stuck where it's not allowed to do more interesting things with time because it's always just moving backwards in exact five minute chunks i just wanted to acknowledge that i really appreciate the use of the word momentous (laughs) i think it was probably just on my brain because of this movie (laughs) um how did you how did you feel about the like the performances it's so flat <laughs> personally yeah I, I didn't care about any of the acting well, what about uh, except for the dude who owns the motel who was arguably one of the flattest i just thought his beard was <laughs> funny so i'm like yeah you get a pass dude you just look like a funny guy christopher nolan likes to work with that guy he was also like a bad guy in ba- all the batman movies that's funny i had no idea about <laughs> that um if it's it's also like some weird inconsistency which i guess has to exist when you have lenny with this type of memory loss of like what does he remember versus what doesn't he remember what happened before you know you know they go out of this way to explain you know anything before the accident i remember completely which is why he can like drive 
Um, <laughs> maybe he shouldn't be able to drive if you have a good, <laughs> like, that's got to be dangerous. Yeah, do right? you think that he passes his DMV test just fine? <laughs> Especially a time before, like, now we have a GPS thing where if I need to go somewhere that's 30 minutes away, I'll just, I can just tell my phone to get me there, and it wouldn't matter if I forgot where I was going, but if he has to drive somewhere that's more than five minutes away, how does he guarantee he remembers where he's going yeah he tattoos it on or even like how does he remember where to put the keys in the ignition yeah like how does he remember how does he remember to keep on dyeing his hair that color all the time (laughs) he tattoos himself with the clues that's like such a hey wouldn't it be cool if i had a character who tattooed them so there is at least one person on earth who has memento style homage tattoos right not like that extreme but someone on their like wrist or hand has has that that tattoo the person it, it, it is a dude and he has a list that he has the list one the facts for sure he has yeah. the, the, the bulletin board of facts. Oh, Definitely. That's such a bummer. That exists. That exists. 100%. But that's that's not fair, though, because Guy Pierce looks really good without a shirt. So it's just like, oh, wow, that sold me on those tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. The the one that's backwards in horrible handwriting right across his chest that says, find the guy who raped and murdered your wife or something. Yeah. Very bad. That's a red flag if you're with someone and they take their shirt off. Yeah. Well, what happens when he goes to the community pool? Like, what's going on? Do you let that man in the water? He wrote raped and murdered backwards. How did he do that? That lady slept with him just fine, though. She, She only slept with him, though. She didn't actually have sex with him. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Wouldn't that, it be wouldn't it be so sad if you hired a prostitute to scatter your wife's things around the room? I was more interested in that <laughs> type of story between that lady of like she clearly knows that that this dude like hurt her boyfriend, husband, but continues to like play around with him anyways. Well, I mean I don't know. Like, it seems like a more interesting story than the than the. Oh, absolutely. A plot. She should have been the star of the movie. Yeah, she definitely would have been interesting to watch. Like, oh, how do I deal with this guy who, I, he literally hired me to pretend to be his wife. That's interesting, huh? Mm. But that's probably not the weirdest thing she's ever seen. Like, I don't know. But my question is, this is a thing that I think I've been more cognizant of the older I've gotten, uh, and just the more. I guess aware of the fridging dilemma when it comes to fridging the wife. And for those who are unaware, fridging uh, a a character is basically where you have a a male protagonist and you elicit sympathy for them by just immediately killing the person they love who is usually their wife for some reason. And that is their motivating factor. The woman serves to be killed to heighten the plot of the male lead. And like – in this movie, sure, like the central the central mystery revolves around him trying to find the the murder. But why why does she, why does she have to get raped though? Like I've, she yeah. got killed already, so like that's fine. You just have I'd be sad if my if my wife was killed. Like that's enough motivating factor for me. Why Bonus is it, sympathy? Why is it that movies in this era always seem to elicit that very same thing for no real reason other than oh we're edgy? Is it simply that like just to be edgy? That's that's the vibe I always get. Is that like murders too like old school? If this is a neo noir, mm-hmm. it needs to be a little more literal and aggressive. And, and I think that there's movies that kind of do stuff like that, where like a, a woman is like either just straight up raped or raped and murdered. That I do think serve the plot in some interesting ways. I'm thinking specifically of Chinatown 
Uh, and I do think that that kind of ties to the central mystery of the movie and like how characters interact with each other. But but in this one, it just seems like it's such a heavy topic to haphazardly throw into the arena in a movie that ultimately isn't the arena to handle it. And it just seems really gross and manipulative. And I, I, and I hope that like just by recognizing it here, people who might be listening to it will also like, hey, did – did this lady need to be raped and murdered? <laughs> like Was anyone know. that's not fair. I feel like basically no one was having this conversation though in that in that in that era. We've definitely grown into some people were. Yeah, <laughs> no that, one that, else that, was that, listening to them. That, yeah. that, that's why I didn't want to say no one because I know that that's that's grossly <sighs> not true. But like it wasn't in the zeitgeist. Sure, it still happens. So it's not like this is a thing we've moved past. Or oh no, not at all. So I don't know how different different it is. People just have Twitter now. Yeah, and that that's usually where people just air their grievances. Like oh, they fridged this person, and just like oh yeah, sure. And and I think I do struggle with like tragedy as someone who likes to write stories. Like as a young writer i was like oh yeah well you got to kill this person to you know this is like that's the that's the reason why they're so sad all the time but the the older i've gotten the more i look back and i'm like i don't know there's probably a way more interesting way to tell the story without killing this person who is important to this character there there might be an interesting way and maybe in pursuing that alternative you might be able to tell a better story (laughs) like how interesting would it been if like i don't know you have the framing device of this dude with a short-term memory loss and his wife was there like she was there that that, i think that would make the story immediately more interesting or the the big act third act reveal is the wife's still alive i don't know like there's got to be something more interesting there (laughs) surely we got to go all in on the on the backwards story there's no time for other complicated things. You can only focus on one important thing at a time. And the other dead wife story that's told in this movie is a dead wife who was trying to like taunt the humanity back out of her husband and like willingly died, which is a another messy uh, dead wife story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it is there to elicit some sort of heartstring because the movie is sorely lacking it. Yeah. But it just feels so like one, it just makes her look dumb. And, yeah. and two, it's just like, this feels gross. It's just gross. But it was him the whole time, right? Yeah. I want to know is, so he was definitely short-term memory loss during that point, right? Like, He sure, must be. Yeah. Like, the, the cop was like, you're a con man. Like, surely the wife knew he was a con man. So just like, no, your, your husband is definitely not faking it. Like, you've seen him for how many years now? Like, he definitely has this condition. Ugh. It's it's a yeah man. I didn't like this movie at all. As nope. someone we went who, back and ruined something for you. No, it's I'm glad though. I'm very glad. Uh, yeah, there were very fun. There were very few things that I took away from it and enjoyed. I think the only part of the movie that I really thoroughly enjoyed was watching uh, Natalie manipulate Lenny. I feel like you, I knew you would like those scenes, Joey. God. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some there's some weird undertones I'm curious about go no, on i i think that was the one the one scene is uh where she basically calls him 
the R word. So and many times. It's like, whoa. Which he is goes, also <laughs> unbelievably jarring. It was like deafening. It was yeah. deafening when when I heard it through my computer speaker. I was like looking around. I was like, oh, man, I got to. <laughs> Hard so, R, everybody. I feel so uncomfortable. Hard right. R. But it's so mean, and I love how mean she is. Yeah. And then she does the thing where she just walks outside like – that scene reminds me of the way the movie opens where it's like in reverse, like the, the, the action is actually unfolding in reverse. But the way she like moves and like kind of like resets herself just seems so like otherworldly mm. for some reason. And I think that was my favorite scene in the whole movie because of how jarring it is to go from so mean and so vicious to someone so helpless in the drop of a hat. Like that was that was kind of cool. I, I think I enjoyed that a little bit. But also, how did she get rid of all those pens in her house? <laughs> there, that argument also felt to me like they had a much longer relationship than what they actually had. Mm-hmm. Like that, that felt like someone who's been like full of rage at having to be close to someone who can't remember them for a very long time and who was hurt by that interaction. And I expected it to go more in that direction and not just like she just kind of met him and knows that she can use him. Yeah. She's so smart and manipulative. Like I don't know why I don't know why she was so yeah. I don't know. But Uh, I just all of the subplots in the movie I just feel like don't ultimately matter. Like I just don't really okay, sure, we're at a bar now. I do I mean I do also enjoy uh, I think the only other thing that even stands out as remotely entertaining was god there's a remarkably aggressive fly it's not a fly <laughs> it's just a bug that flies yeah it's oh. a fu- it's a flying bug it yeah. has like it's white a, marks looks on like it. a june bug it's like it's, it's not, not a june, a june bug. bug oh no it's like long and skinny yeah it's too long to be a fly it's it's weird it's it's terrifying I, it's what? more interesting than momentum <laughs> is what you're saying it, it's definitely scarier um, <laughs> Uh, I, I I did also and en- I enjoyed two scenes in the movie the, that one that we just talked about and um, just the short little moment of Lenny um, being chased by Dodd and being like am I chasing him <laughs> oh no he's chasing me that made me chuckle there were a couple like funny just good clever little witty moments in this that I forgot existed in this movie I like that in the beginning um, like some of my first thoughts are if he has this condition like why is no one exploiting it for their own growth yeah and then we do because at the beginning no one like you don't see anyone exploiting him mm-hmm. but then you realize that everyone around him is exploiting him over time like even you know it starts off small with with the motel dude being like hey dude I just want to rent your rooms out because I can you know and then it goes on to you know everyone in his life is is manipulating him because of the condition so it was cool that like that arc kind of felt realistic because surely people would you know people suck be dicks about that um speaking of people who are dicks who that lady who tattoos him yeah no morals (laughs) no morals. she was cool was she cool she's my favorite character (laughs) (laughs) she did have the best hair yeah by a country mile but like she wasn't like who who takes money for those tattoos she's tattooing in la she's seen worse yeah and i think there's like that that moral line makes sense if someone doesn't have a lot of tattoos. But when someone 
is already covered with random bullshit, at that point, like, they're a lost cause. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to Yeah, I'm not going to improve your life by not tattooing the fourth fact on your arm. <laughs> What's the straw that breaks the camel's back, yeah. though? Like, <laughs> because if you ask for the first fact, maybe you'll, like, get that done, yeah. and the second fact will be weird, but yeah. then the other, like, wh- where does it stop? Where, where's it's, the line for the tattoo It's definitely artist? the tribal tattoo consisting of you <laughs> raped and murdered my wife, just back and forth over and over on the bicep. <laughs> Man, um. If those are things that I like, I think some of the biggest crimes of the movie, like holistically, are um, the crazy exposition dump from Teddy in like the last ten minutes (laughs) (laughs) was was almost comic. Like I almost started laughing for the wrong reasons because I'm, I mean, we all are just like savvy enough to be like, oh, this is bad writing. Yeah, I think that's also a trope that's been hit on a lot harder the last, like, five years than before. The idea of, like, a villain or a mystery protagonist just telling you everything in the last act. Yeah. Like, oh, I know everything now. I didn't have to figure it out because you were there to tell me for three minutes straight. Yeah, why would he even do that? He knows he's going to forget in five minutes. (laughs) Like, literally just a waste of breath. (laughs) Yeah, why why tell any anything, actually? It would have been more clever to see him go to say something and then just not and walk away. Like, that would have been more meaningful to some extent. I I, I forgot something. I do want to backtrack for a second. Yeah, what's up? Do either of you know how... Uh, from like a movie proper art department, movie tattoos work. No, it's there's a couple different ways to do. What do you mean? Like, well, just like the fact that he has those same consistent tattoos throughout that shooting, which just takes so much time. Yeah. Like, how do they get them to look consistent for that long over that many days? Just a lot of. Con- I mean, they redo it, so it's just like very detailed continuity. Yeah, I mean, he probably goes to sleep with them and all that, right? I would think that they take them off and redo it. Oh, yeah? So that means that maybe if you look hyper-closely, you can see the subtlest of difference in the tattoos, which you wouldn't yeah. be able to notice unless you're but picking they're all, apart. And they're all, like, kind of messy. They're all different fonts. They're, I feel like those tattoos would be easier to get away with than, like, a more artful large piece or something. It's all, like, scribble. Some of it's stick and poke. Some of it's self-done. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if, like, technology's improved on that. Because they do have, like, some pretty long-lasting temporary tattoos at this point. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's, like, a world where where they've been assisted by technology. But thinking, you know, back in the ni- the early 90s, yeah. how they would be... I mean, maybe they just did henna and just left him like that for a while. Also oh. possible. But then, do you think he had to live his life for, like, a month? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he raped and murdered my wife across his chest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. oh, then boy. he can't go to the public I pool. feel like that's a thing that Guy Pierce might do. I don't know why. <laughs> But I feel like that's a thing he might have done. I should look this stuff up instead of just questioning it on the podcast, <laughs> no. because surely there is an answer. It's worthwhile. It's a worthwhile investigation. Yeah, but I was, and also the fact that I was spending more time thinking about that than trying to analyze the movie when I'm watching it also can't be good for the sake of the movie. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing in the movie that just stands out as particularly remarkable, like in the year 2019. I could understand why it would have been in the year it came out. What year was it released? 2000. Yeah, I could see why it would be interesting in the year 2000. The most remarkable thing is how it lives on in meme culture because I finally understand that don't trust his lies. (laughs) That's the new meme format. (laughs) I mean, it's been, I mean, it's existed for a long time and I've just been like, 
okay, that's like an image that exists, but now I have context for it in my brain, which I feel like I'm grateful for. I don't think I've ever seen that. Really? really? I don't know what you're talking about. It, it's usually, really? It's, yeah. the, it's the Polaroid where it's like the, they blanked out the picture and then they just sub in whatever and it says, don't believe his lies. I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> wow. We should do like a, like a meme count. Every time we watch a movie, we add like when Joey's seen the meme before the movie. <laughs> like a compendium of, a compendium of, of movie memes that I, that I finally understand now? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> and well, I, there was another thing about the movie that I wanted to talk about, but ultimately, it's just gonna boil down to me being like, "Hey, well, I didn't like this." <laughs> Still, <laughs> it it, it kind of ties hand in hand with that exposition dump at the end of it. Just the overall theme of the movie, where it's just like, "I'm gonna choose to be this, this way because that's what makes me happiest." It's like, this is the first movie we've all universally disliked, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Patreon's fault. It is yeah. Patreon. I feel bad too. People, people <laughs> who pay money for this podcast voted for us to watch this movie. We just shit on it for well, an hour. <laughs> I don't think we just shit on. it. I think we gave reasons yeah. for it. But we Certainly. also shit on it, implying that you're dumb for liking it. Well, I do wonder how recently those people had watched this movie because I would have been in the same camp as them. I'd be like, oh, nonlinear editing. That's an interesting movie to show a dude who doesn't watch a lot of movies. Like, sure. That's a great cop on Nick. I really appreciate <laughs> you giving us yeah, some, kind, gotta, of, some gotta, kind of political optics. We got to keep this. those Patreon bucks somehow. <laughs> yeah, <all> right? <laughs> Patreon.com slash cybercarber. <laughs> but I mean, that was Christopher Nolan's. Memento. Joey, do you feel compelled to watch any other Christopher Nolan films? I mean, I watched the movie, but I think that's the only other Christopher Nolan movie I've seen. In comparison with Inception, how do do you like? Do you think they're like, oh yeah, I could see how this dude made that movie? I don't think that I watched Inception with like a with like a cunning critical eye. I was just like a high school kid in theaters, so I it would be hard to give an honest answer to that. Mm. Um, Can you see how this person would have made that movie, though? N- no. You don't see any any ties. To I it? I don't think Inception is fresh enough. I'm sure if I watched it tomorrow, I could I could write a paper on on what's similar about them. But just like from memory, not really. Um, the f- they're both nonlinear movies. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on Christopher Nolan? I'm not a Christopher Nolan fan. The Dark Knight's probably the Dark Knight or the Prestige are probably my favorite. Christopher Nolan movies. Isn't the Prestige you... also nonlinear? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, he loves that nonlinear editing. But like, Interstellar is one of my least favorite films I've ever <laughs> seen. That movie just, I get so mad if I have to think about that movie for more than two minutes. I yeah. All of his movies. He's a director who could probably use like a like a producer cut where it's just like, hey, dude, you got to lose like forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like he's he's always more interested in twisty plot stuff or storytelling mechanics than he is an interesting human story. And I feel like he really swung for that with Interstellar and it was such an abject failure for me that that was even worse. I feel like he's a gimmick director. Yes. And I like Christopher Nolan. Like he's a dude I will watch his movies, but I do like go in knowing this dude has he wants a gimmick. In the following, it, his first movie, the uh, it's called Following. Similar idea where it's I think premise before substance, where it's you know, what if a thief instead of like stealing, what if a dude got his rocks off by following people? He doesn't do anything; he just follows them. What? Let's see what happens to that character. He starts with an elevator pitch and then stretches it into exactly. a two-hour movie. It's the logline. 
that the logline is the movie and nothing else. And it's it's how he sold the movie. Exactly how you said, an elevator pitch. Well, now I guess I'm not going to have to watch any more Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> I, I think he is worth watching. I, I think, uh, what's that, Dunkirk? I think Dunkirk's a pretty solid movie. And I think it's his nonlinear editing done correctly because it, it plays with time in ways that doesn't feel like it's a gimmick. It more so feels like he's manipulating time for a momentous like climax and everything will sync up for the right moment where everything is just like this is where it's popping off and then release. And, and I appreciate that about the movie. And I think that one thing we'll find for most of the directors we'll talk about during Joey Hates Movies is that directors will discover a thing they really like early on in life. They'll, they'll, hit, they'll hit like gold director gold that works for them that propels them in the spotlight early in life and then over the course of the career it's them kind of disseminating that and then kind of boiling it down to its core Mm. it's something that i think uh we'll see with quentin tarantino's upcoming film once upon a time in hollywood which spoilers we're all gonna go watch on sunday together so we're gonna do a like an impromptu once upon a time in hollywood Joey hates movies. In the future, at some point. Yeah, in the future. And, and we might maybe have a special guest. Someone that anyone listening doesn't know. Wow. What a <laughs> Way great tease. You're a fucking <laughs> Or maybe man. I'm lying. Yeah, because that might not even happen. So Don't like... believe anything I say. He's a liar. Jeez. Put me on the Polaroid. Poor Nick. <laughs> um, but we do have a new movie. We do have a new movie. Before we put up the new movie, I do want to give one little tidbit. What? Uh, Memento is now officially my least favorite movie we just watched on the podcast, wow. putting it below Jurassic Park. Yeah, Memento, not worse than Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic I Park. Agree. Someone put it on the <laughs> Jurassic Park better than Memento. <laughs> put that on the poster. <laughs> Coral, where would you where would you rank this in our movies? Um, it's almost my least favorite. Collateral is my least favorite. Wow, <laughs> you like this more I than Collateral? Hate, I hate <laughs> collateral. Yeah. Coral. I feel like Collateral was at least like shot well. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> at least with this movie, I knew, all right, in five minutes, I'm getting a brand new piece of information. <laughs> but Nick, what's the next movie? The next movie, I lied. I, I said before we, had, we went live, I said the next movie was going to be Rashomon. Oh, you don't have to tell them that. No, it's fun. Okay. Because now I'm going to zag on you. The next movie we're going to watch is Ingmar Bergman's Persona. Oh, I've, no, I've been meaning to watch that. Persona? Persona. Okay, it, I wrote down my notebook. Let me, uh, I, I know nothing about uh, it. Let me just look up one rule. You're going you're gonna to ask me what it is, what I thought the movie was at the start of this episode. I'm going to be like, oh. There's uh, no anime kids in this. What's going on? Yeah, no, I can't use that joke again. Thank you. Not to be. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Persona, a 1966 a uh, story by, by Ingmar Bergman. And Ingmar Bergman is definitely, like, I think one of those directors, like, okay, now we're starting to, now we're starting to get into some... If Nick takes me to film school, the I'm true, start... The true film bro director, not the f***ing yeah. year yeah. Th- This is, director. like, senior year. <laughs> we're we're going to write some critical I thought Nick said we were going to stop doing film bro stuff. This is definitely... Uh, Bros will not watch Persona. <laughs> there, there's there's Bergman film bros for sure. Very very true. Very fair. But I, I think this is a solid leap into something where it's a little bit more complex than what we've anything we've seen so far. 
and it'll be a nice baby step towards the more interesting things that I think we will inevitably get to. And better yet, it's an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's great. But it's Joey in black and white. I am so mad at you. And it's in a foreign language. What? <laughs> I have to both read subtitles in Nazi color. It was bad enough that the Memento had a lot of not color. It's, uh, it's in Swedish. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> or is it Swiss? It'd be Swiss, right? It doesn't. It, <laughs> Joey, what do you think Persona is about? We'll talk about that next time, Nick. No, I we do it now. I don't know. We'll do. We'll just do it now. What do you think it's about? Armchair guess. Um, <laughs> it's about someone who doesn't know who they are, so they make up a fake persona, and then they get caught in a lie because they embody <laughs> this new person and they're actually not that person and they're trying to fake it until they make it and then they die. Coral, this is one of those that you haven't seen, so what yeah. do you think Persona is about? I truly don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's some Swiss things that happen and it's in black and white. Maybe there's a crime. Maybe someone's a, a public personality or a politician. There you go. But... Th- our next film is Ingmar Bergman's Persona. You can watch it. Uh, I mean, he's not alive anymore. You could probably just steal it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but if you do want to pay for it, it is available to stream on the Criterion channel. But if you do not want to do that, you can probably find a torrent for it somewhere. Are we allowed to say that on a podcast? Well, who gives a fuck? <laughs> I've stolen all the movies. Uh, regardless, Joey, Coral, I have the Blu-ray. Coral, you can borrow the Blu-ray if you need be. Thank you. Joey, I have a Criterion login that you could use, or you could just steal it. You're wasting money on that. No, I'm not. Yeah. I have a great time watching my movies, my films. Nick doesn't have enough time to consume all the content he wants to. <laughs> He's very scattered. Criterion feels like a nice thing to support, though. Yeah. It's like, hey, I will give you money because you do a thing that I believe in. Yeah. Um, but... That was if Joey. You want to give us money. It's at yeah. patreoncom cybergarbage, By the way, thank you. If you want to donate to something you believe in? <laughs> us. Keep the show happening. Donate a couple bucks our way, and then uh, maybe we can be in a room that's you know properly Air conditioned, ventilized, ven- ventilated. You can't even say words right anymore. I'm so hot. It's very warm. Thank you guys. You should like it, Coral. You like warm spaces. <laughs> But I'm wearing a blazer today. You could you could take it off. No, I refuse. <laughs> it's part of the outfit. You can't remove <laughs> the blazer. Thank you guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.